That was a holy moment, wasn't it? Just to experience the power of the Lord in this place and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And that's a good thing because today's Pentecost. Happy Pentecost, everybody. All right, everybody ready for a Holy Ghost party? All right, I don't think you are, but you're about to get one anyway, so we'll see how this goes today. Uh, my friends, Pentecost, the birthday of the church. Happy birthday, y'all. We celebrate our commitment to Jesus Christ very often in our baptism, and we should remember that every year if we can, when that time was that we stepped forward and said we're a part of this church. But this is the day we do it all together. We celebrate the birth of the church. We celebrate this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We celebrate our new birth in Jesus Christ. Amen, friends? Amen. I, you got to get with me, friends. If there's any day a preacher is allowed to preach, it has to be on Pentecost Sunday. So just get ready for it. And I hope you're going to be with me because today I want to tell you about my counselor. Somebody say, he's my counselor, my comforter, my advocate, my helper, the spirit of truth. Amen. The spirit of power, the paraclete. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Now I'm getting weird, right? It's like, yeah, the pastor just got, the paraclete, our helper, the one who is with us. My people, today we celebrate the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit who was hovering over the waters of creation, bringing order out of the chaos. And I know some of you could stand up here and testify that he's brought order out of the chaos of your life. Amen, friends? Amen, friends. He was that spirit who came upon Moses and the 70 elders when they're gathered at Mount Sinai to give them words of prophecy. He was that spirit who was there with Eliad and Edad, even though they were late to the party. They still got the power to speak the word of God. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. Just read the Bible, friends. There's crazy stories in there. He was the spirit who could actually, we're going to do a little quiz here. Do you know who the spirit first came upon? Anybody? 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 That's all right. All right. I'm going to teach you something. At least you're going to leave here with learning something you never learned before. Bezael. You know what Bezael was called to do? He was called a craftsman. Anybody here like to create? Anybody here like art? Anybody here like music? Anybody here design tattoos? Anybody here build? I know, I know, I'm calling people out. Anybody here builder or creator? Guess what? You get the power of the Spirit on you with that creative force, that creative energy to do what you are called to do. Amen, friends? Amen, friends. Yes, that is what the Spirit does. The Spirit was there then ushering in that transition from the old to the new. It was the Spirit who came upon Mary and said, oh, you will be filled with the Holy Spirit and you will conceive and give birth to a son and that son's name will be? Amen. Our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. That Spirit was there when Mary and Elizabeth got to visit and, and the baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb because the Spirit was already at work bringing together fulfillment of all the promises in and through Jesus Christ. The Spirit was there when Jesus Christ went into the river to be baptized then by his cousin John. The Spirit descended on Jesus and remained. You see, in the past, the Spirit would come on people. He would help the people do the job they're going to do. And then the Spirit said, time to go back home. But where's where the Spirit's home is now? Starting, that's right, starting with Jesus. The Holy Ghost said, I don't live there anymore. Now I'm going to live here. I'm going to live in Jesus. I'm going to live in 
Jesus, that spirit to empower Jesus to go out and bring works of healing, works of wonder, works of power, works to demonstrate the work of God now alive and at work in our lives and into our world. And the spirit was there on Pentecost when the church was born and 3,000, more than 3,000 were added to the collective body of Christ that very day. Amen, friends? Amen. The church was born and then the church was beginning already to be sent out to share this good news of the life that we can have and the forgiveness of sins and resurrection through Christ. That spirit was leading and giving boldness and power to those apostles so they could declare the works of God and that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And it got him into trouble. It got him into all kinds of trouble. One of my favorite things that the spirit did, the spirit was there whenever Peter ended up in prison. And Peter needed to get out to continue preaching the gospel. And so somehow it worked out. I don't know. Uh, we'll get the story from Peter someday. But the Spirit led him out of prison. The d disciples thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a spirit. He said, no, no, it's me. I'm really free. And I've been set free to declare the works of Jesus. And then later we read that Paul is in prison and the earth shakes and the doors are thrown open. And then Paul stays put because he knows he has to share Jesus Christ with the jailer. And it says the jailer and his whole family, his whole household turned to Jesus Christ that very day. And listen, friends, listen, friends. If you know on one occasion you need to be called to stay put in jail and another occasion you need to be called to escape from jail, you better be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because does that make any sense on the worldly plane? That makes no sense. There's no rational way a human can explain how God will work in two completely different ways. Except that when those two completely different ways lead to the same end declaring that Christ is Lord. That's the work of that spirit. That is the work of the spirit in and through the world and in our lives. The spirit was there then giving people the gifts they needed to serve. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers. The Spirit was there giving the fruits that we needed to demonstrate the work of Christ in our lives. He is giving those fruits of love. Say love. Say joy, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Anybody need some self-control? I need, I need, I, I want a double measure of that fruit. Amen, friends. The Spirit was giving visions and dreams and words of insight. Manny shared about the vision she had. She saw this church when they were still in Brazil. She walked in and she said, praise God, I see the fulfillment of that vision. That God is still giving. Some of you have had visions. Some others here, you've told me about that. Believe that he can still give you a word. He can still give you a dream. He can still give you a vision. He can still give you what you need to do, what you are called to do. And what you might be called to do might be great and glorious. More likely it's going to be extremely humble the spirit unless you're called to do hard things if you could do it in your own strength you wouldn't need the spirit but you're going to need the spirit to do the hard humble things that he's leading you to do only one amen on that but friends believe it believe it he will give you the power you need to do what he's calling and leading you to do he's that spirit who is there now still still in our lives still in our lives same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead, it says, is the spirit that is alive and at work in us. Amen, friends. He's alive and he's at work in, in us. Let's read the story of Pentecost now. The story of this outpouring of the spirit. 
and how all who call upon Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord do so only by the work of the Spirit in his or her life. When we call Jesus Savior and Lord, it is the evidence, it is the evidence of the Spirit already at work in us. So I know some of you are already doubting, some of you are already finding this a, a word too good to believe, but if you, if you are drawn to, pulled to, if you are wanting to know more of Jesus and call him Savior and Lord, the Spirit, the Spirit's at work in your life already. It's already at work in your life. We're just going to nurture that. We're going to just nudge that along. We're just going to prompt that a little bit more here today because I want more of the Spirit in my life. I want more of the Spirit in your lives. We all want more of the Spirit here in our church. This is what we're going to talk about here today, friends. Let's read the story of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. I love that. You can, no, you can take a break and then come back. I'll call you up. I, I love that stuff. That's Pentecost there, friends. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? How is it then that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, the residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pythagoras and Pan I don't even sell those words. I don't even exist anymore. Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. That's a big list, isn't it? I can't even pronounce half those things. I just got to pretend like I know what I'm saying. Get through it. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Somebody asked that question for me. Good, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> we're going to talk about what this means today. They were already together celebrating Pentecost. They were celebrating Pentecost whenever Pentecost happened. That's confusing, right? Let me explain it this way. It's Memorial Day weekend, right? I remember as a kid, I loved Memorial Day weekend because Memorial Day weekend was... the summer memorial day weekend was the end of school the beginning of summer who was food and drinks and playing cornhole in the backyard and having a good old time with family and friends memorial day was awesome is that all that memorial day is absolutely absolutely not thank you for all who've served thank you for all who've given the greatest sacrifice of all to serve so that we could gather here today and with freedom, with boldness, proclare the gospel of Jesus Christ, though we know some will reject it. We know many, and we pray many more will receive the good news. So we know as we grow wiser, as we grow older, we understand the depths of Memorial Day. All the food, all the fun, all that fluff, it's not just fluff, it's good stuff, but we know, right? We know. That's what's happening here. See, they had a Pentecost already, but it was kind of like they had the fluff. But they were going to find out what Pentecost really meant. Because Pentecost 
meant the fulfillment of what had been promised already. See, there was three main festivals that the people of God were called to observe. They were observed Passover and this feast that led up to that celebration. And then they were to observe Pentecost was this kind of this feast of weeks that was leading up to this celebration 50 days after Passover. Pentecost, it literally just means 50. If you're a Pentecostal, you are 50 years old like me. I am Pentecostal. So, and then they are going to celebrate the feast of the tents or the tabernacles and the booths. And all of this was being fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We know that Jesus Christ was the true and final and fulfilled Passover. See, at the first Passover, they took a lamb. They sacrificed the lamb. The blood of the lamb was spread onto the doorposts. And the door then was open for the people to escape captivity and go into the promise of deliverance and freedom. And we know that Jesus, the Lamb of God, had his blood painted on that cross. And a door for us was open to step out of our captivity to sin, to our brokenness, and into the freedom of life in and through Jesus Christ. Amen, friends? Amen, friends? And then they were to observe this other celebration that 50 days after that exodus, they were at Sinai and God was delivering to them what they needed to sustain them, to guide them, to direct them, to empower them, to equip them. He was revealing and delivering them the very word of God and we praise God for his word and his word is power and his word is truth. And that word was revealed and that word is good, that word is great, but that word was like the hors d'oeuvre, that word was the precursor, it was leading into what we would really need to be empowered, to be equipped, to be led, to do all that God is calling us to do. We needed so much more than a written word. We needed a living word. We needed the living word of Jesus Christ and we needed the living God inside each and every one of us, right friends? And so that's what God was about in fulfilling the promise of that first Pentecost to the fulfilled Pentecost that we celebrate in and through the power of the Holy Spirit now. So what happened on that Pentecost day, of course, is some evidence of what God was doing. And so a wind was blowing and the spirit came down and tongues like a fire, like tongues was resting upon the people. And they all began speaking and proclaiming the goodness of Jesus Christ, the story of what God had done. And people were hearing it in their own language. Now people ask me, George, ask me, George. Just gotta make sure you're still with me. They asked me, George, is your church Pentecostal? Rather than answering that question, I think we should give ourselves a little test right now. We're gonna do the same test that they did there on that first day. Somebody tell me, Jesus is Lord. Somebody tell me, Jesus is Lord in Portuguese. Somebody tell me, Jesus is Lord in Spanish. Chris, wake up. <laughs> That's right. Can somebody tell me Jesus is Lord in Korean or Chinese? Anybody there now? No, no, Ruth and her, and her crew left there. How about um, African? Or I should say Zimbabwe, right? Zimbabwean? How do we say it? Amen, amen, friends. How do we say uh, Jesus is Lord in Canadian? <laughs> I know. Yeah, do you, I'm, 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 so, I'm sorry, but Jesus is just Lord, you know? So um, that was really good Canadian right there. <laughs> um, we're becoming Pentecostal. We're becoming a gathering of people of all nations. 
We're becoming more, and I pray, I pray this is just the beginning. This is just the first fruits. We want more of it. We want more of these languages. We want more of these declarations in all tongues that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because that is the heart. That is the heart of Pentecost. That is the heart of the work of the Spirit alive in us, allowing us, freeing us, empowering us, equipping us to declare that Jesus is, in fact, Lord. You see, this promise is being fulfilled through Jesus Christ. See, Jesus Christ, 50 days ago, rose from the dead, and we celebrate that on Easter Sunday. Hallelujah and A.M. We are a people who gather because of the resurrection. And then we know that Jesus appeared and made evidence his resurrection through appearances until his ascension for 40 days. Always remember there's something very significant about 40 days throughout all of the scriptures. I've preached that sermon before. We don't have time for that again today, but those 40 days lead to his ascension. And I've also preached the message, what goes up must come. That's a, I, I love ascension. We'll do ascension again next year because it's such a good message. Jesus went up and that's the promise that he's coming back down. He's returning. He's bringing the kingdom with him. He's gonna right every wrong. He's gonna set everyone free and we will live in the final fulfillment of the life we were meant to live, not just in and through God, but with God present forever and ever. And then 10 days later, in fulfillment of all that was promised through Pentecost, of course, the Spirit, the Spirit was poured out. Now, at this point in the story, I've often preached that uh, bit about that first bit and uh, the 40 days and the wonderful promise. Uh, you'll receive power when I pour out my Spirit and you're gonna be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's a great message. And, and then the meaning and the power of that ascension. And of course, we jump to uh, Pentecost and what we're celebrating today. But there's something that happened in between and I haven't talked about it. I'm gonna talk about it today. I love that I'm still discovering new things in scripture. Isn't that great? That a Pentecost 50 year old guy can keep discovering new things in the Bible. So I started reading through that story again and uh, there's this big chunk right, right, right between those two. And it goes something like this. Jesus ascends and says that the disciples were together. It's good to be together, right? We together? We're together. We're doing it. We're living in the Bible. We're being, we're being, we're being Jesus-led people getting together here. It says that they were together. It says it was more than just the 11. It says that there was the women who followed Jesus and the family of Jesus. It says in total there's about 120 believers, and I don't know if they were together kind of the whole time or what that'll look like, but it says that they were together. Um, and they should have been celebrating, right? And they were. They were celebrating. Jesus was alive. Jesus already poured out a spirit on them, incidentally. He had promised that something big was coming, and I think they knew kind of what was coming with Pentecost. They were starting to put the pieces together. That should have been a big celebration, but the fact of the matter is, is they, were, they were hurting. You see, there is a painfully empty seat. Anytime I see an empty seat, it's painful for me. I hope they're all filled someday soon. There's a painfully empty seat. You know who used to sit in that seat, right? Christians don't even like to say his name. It's always an interesting thing. But they're looking at that seat that Judas used to fill. And Peter gets up and he's like, I get it. And I think we just got to talk about it. And I think we got to do something about it because it's kind of like one of these elephants in the room. We're all thinking it. We're all feeling it. 
We've all experienced it. He betrayed us. He abandoned us. He hurt us. I mean, Jesus died because of his actions. I mean, the guy killed himself now. How do we make sense of all this? And, and Peter takes just a couple moments, and it's, it's, it's actually a beautiful story in its own right. He says, I'll help you to make sense of it. And he really just gives them the promise. He's like, listen, listen, listen. I know it's hard. I know it hurts. I, I know it's confusing. I know you're sad. I know you're mad. I know you want vengeance. I know you want to cry. I know you're going through all this stuff. But listen, it's, it, was, it was a part of God's plan. And we've known from the beginning that God's plans aren't just all cupcakes and sprinkles. It sometimes takes you through some difficult things. Sometimes God's plan, it, it takes you through some of that mud, that muck, that mire. You go through some difficult, and, and tr- just, can we, we, just, we just trust that this was all part of the plan, that Jesus wasn't, you know, betrayed, that didn't catch him off guard, you know, wasn't from out of left field. I mean, he predicted, he talked about it, he knew, he knew it was happening. He knew it had to happen, everybody. So don't, you don't get caught up in the what ifs and what could have been. We, we know that Jesus knew it was all part of the plan that would fulfill salvation for us, right? And so it's like they finally got into agreement on this. And then I don't understand all the dynamics. They said, we got to fill that seat. And so they fill that seat and they cast lots and this guy Matthias is, born, is put in there. And then they weren't just together. And here's where the preacher needs to preach a little bit, and we need to talk about this. It wasn't that they were just together, but somehow then it seems that that spirit of unity came back to the believers. And after they had that spirit of unity, after they were together in an agreement on the plans of God and who Jesus Christ was and the gospel going forward, after they got an agreement on that unity, which, by the way, Jesus kind of talked about a lot in his last days, then we see the Spirit poured out. So the pastor has to wonder, the pastor has to preach, the pastor is kind of compelled to ask the question by the text before him. We can get together, but maybe we are not always unified. We can get together, and being together is good. Being together is right. The Bible talks about being together a lot, but you know what, the Bible doesn't want us just together. The Bible wants us unified. God wants us unified. Jesus died so that we could be unified. The Spirit comes to us so that we can be not just together, right? But so that we can finally have unity. Unity like the world doesn't know and has never known and cannot know except through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have it. We have it available to us. We have it poured out on us. We have the invitation to become unified through the power of the Holy Spirit as the body of Christ. Now, I want to tell a little bit of a story, and then we're going to come back to the text, and we're going to celebrate, I pray, unity and the power of the Spirit on this Pentecost Sunday today. This, all churches go through hard things. And, and, and this church, believers that have been together here have gone through some hard things. M- many years ago, some things were said in front of a congregation here, and I'm not gonna pour over the details of that, but I've been told the story by many, many people and some of you still worshiping here that, that the church split. It was half the church it was after one Sunday, some things that happened here. And just like what happened with Judas, 
some hurtful things were said and people were left hurting a lot. I mean, really hurting, because I know people are still talking about it like 15 years later or more now. Those things leave scars, those things leave wounds. So there's been people together here for a long time. But I think it's time for us to be unified, maybe in some new ways moving forward. Now I know that's like a pious platitude that the preacher can always propose. And only preachers can ever alliterate like that, by the way. You gotta be trained for things like that. But let's not just be together. Can we get really unified in the power of the Holy Spirit making us one as the body of Christ? Can we trust that anything and everything that has gone before us did not catch God off guard? It did not surprise God. It did not come out of left field. God was not just like, oh, what just happened? I never saw that coming. Somehow we know that God holds all these things. God is a part of all these things and God is willing these things to the greater good for us as believers and for the fulfillment of the promise of the church to be this light, this hope, this saving grace to the world. So can we, can we move forward together, but maybe now in a new and renewed spirit of unity to say, to just say, the only thing that ever can and will and will always hold us together is Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Man, there's a lot of things I could say Maybe they're best said over a cup of coffee and to talk through some of those things that have gone on in the past. Because you can talk about those things. You can work through those things. You can process those things. But from the pulpit today, I'm, I'm ready to not just be together. I'm ready to be unified. I'm ready to be unified in and through Jesus Christ and to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit at work in this place, friends. I'm ready for it. I'm, I'm ready for us just to come together in Jesus Christ. Uh, I mean, l listen, listen, friends. I feel like we're at a crossroads. I feel like we're at a crossroads. We're at some wall and we're at some place, some decision point, some, it's some kind of deciding point. I came here five years ago and my goodness gracious, we named the place Connections. Is there anything that should declare unity more than that? We're Connections Church, right? The vision has always been there to be united in Jesus Christ as his body going forward in mission. Let's get connected. Let's get connected in Christ. Let's get connected in this power. Let's get connected in this mission to share this good news of hope, this light for the world, friends, and let's get on with it. Are we gonna be saved by politics, friends? Are we gonna be saved by some political party? Are we united by politics? Absolutely not. We're not united by politics, never called to, never will be, don't even wanna be. <laughs> Are we united by worship style? Are we united by classical worship? Are we united by choral music? Are we united by contemporary music? Are we united by country music? Are we united by rock and we all have our own taste. Are we gonna be saved by our preferred worship style? No, it's just expressions of love to Jesus. Are we gonna be united by a building? I love the building. I want ministry to thrive from this building. I want mission to move forward from this building. We're not united by a building. Are we united by language? No, I love how many languages are being spoke here now. Are we united by culture? No, are we united by 
income? Are we united by education? Are we united by the color of our skin? Are we united by anything except Jesus Christ? Is Jesus Christ enough to unite us? Yes, that's the answer, friends. All that other stuff, it doesn't matter. We have everything we need to be united because we have a risen, reigning, and returning Savior in Jesus Christ. Amen, friends? And that's enough. It has always been enough. It is all it is. And anything more takes away. That's the beauty of what's been revealed to us in Scripture. And anything more will take away from the thing that unites us. Jesus Christ, hallelujah and amen, friends. Get band, get up here because because I can't even I can't preach anymore. We now have to live it. We have to live for a little bit more our union in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in this place. And I am telling you right now, I am ready for, open for, willing for, embracing for a Holy Ghost party right now because I have put my life in Jesus Christ and I know you've put your life in Jesus Christ and if you haven't, you can do so right here and now. Jesus, today I call upon you to forgive me of my sins and to live with me now and forever as my Lord and Savior but whenever you invite Jesus to come into your life again, what you're really doing is you're giving your life to Jesus and like I said, when I've already given my life to Jesus and when you get your life in Jesus, guess what? That's what it means to be one as the body of Christ. That's why like every single letter of the New Testament says there's one Lord, one God, one Father, one Jesus, one Spirit. We are to be one. I mean, you just got to love how Ephesians just puts it out there. I pray that you will do everything you can to remain united in the Spirit and to keep the peace of Christ Let's have a Holy Ghost party.